everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. This is a podcast where a bunch of writers sit around drinking and talk about writing, publishing, and the whole creative process. We do not censor ourselves, so consider us PG-13. Today's hosts are Chaz and Karen Brinchley and me, Jeannie Warner. This is episode 77, Alternative History with Harry Turtledove. Welcome, Harry. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. You you have basically launched an entire new genre of books. How are you not an egomaniac? <laughs> <laughs> I have not launched an entire genre. I was riffing on what everybody did before me, for heaven's sake. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Harry, you're Harry Turtledove, okay? <laughs> this is kind of like, I've been, you know, seeing your books and reading books about you since my childhood, and you're... You're just, you know, you're, you, you, are, you are making me feel exceedingly old, you know. I was going to say, and that's impressive for a man only 40. Shut up, Karen. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm only 20, so there. But, there we um, go. Even so, I consider you a master. Okay. I, you, you are a master, and we are, I am just delighted to be speaking with you. Well, that only shows how little you know. I'm just, a, you know, I'm a working professional writer, and I've been lucky enough to make a living at this for 30 years, and I just thank heaven, that's all. Hey, I loved one of the early stories about you that I found, I think it was on the Wikipedia page, that about how you published under different names because nobody believed that Turtle Dove was a real name, and they wanted you to be Nordic. Uh, yeah, that was, the when I sold my first novel, they rechristened me, if that's the word I want, yeah. for a nice Jewish boy. Yeah. Uh, they rechristened me Eric Iverson. Hmm. <laughs> okay. and, published, and published the novel under that name. I yelled and screamed, but I thought this might be kind of useful because I still had hopes of being a successful academic in those days. And I thought, well, maybe I can have one name for my fiction and one name for my nonfiction. Maybe that will work out all right. Okay, so fine. So time went along, and for one thing, it became obvious that I wasn't going to be an academic because nobody would hire me. Uh-huh. And for another thing, it became, I sold, I sold the four Videsos books to Lester Del Rey. Lester said, no, you're not going to be Iverson. You're going to be Turtled Out. People will remember you. <laughs> yes. I had a question and on, you so I mean, Gordian, though. Is that because of the Gordian knot? No, well, there, 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 there was, there was a, an obscure Roman emperor named Marcus Gordianus. So I became Mark Gordian for one story because Analog has a policy that when one writer has two stories in the same issue, one of them should run under a pen name. Ah, okay. I've heard of that. Yeah, I hadn't. That was so. That, that's 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 how that, that's how that happened. That you know that that was just business. But the other one, I you know the other one, I may be the only writer around who has had a pen name and his own name imposed on him by force, you know? such a cool name. And only in America can you have a PhD it's, and somehow not be able to get a job in your field. Uh, no, it's fairly common all over the English-speaking world, oh. I'm sorry to say. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> so if you'd, if you'd had the academic career, were you a historian? Yes, I was a historian. Uh, I have published 
a translation of a 9th century Byzantine chronicle. I have published four articles. People cite my dissertation every now and then. But, I mean, I haven't really worked at it in any kind of serious way since the 80s. Right. That's the Chronicle of Theophanes, right? Yes. Yeah, I saw that listed. Um, I I apologize for not reading it, but... um. Uh, I'll beat you later, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, yours is the second, you know, dissertation that I've had to download and start reading because Chanda Prescott has Weintraub has a really neat dissertation on dark matter and cosmology, which goes perfectly with Justinian and the Byzantine Empire, I think. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I first heard you read aloud with your State of Jefferson stories. Oh, okay. They were, I, I went down to Karen and Chaz actually said, hey, you should go down to this Worldcon business. And you read aloud with the uh, the visit of the uh, Yeti Dalai Lama. Mm-hmm. I, I loved your weaving. Yeah, of I, what, what if the, for, for those who may not be aware that there is a Northern California, Southern Oregon want to kick out everybody else and be the state of Jefferson. So t- tell a little bit about how you decided to play that what if game. Well, okay, I got invited to write for an anthology, and the MacGuffin was there would be two 2,500-word stories, one of them set 30 days after the other, and I thought, okay. And about a month before the stories were due, I got an email from my editor saying, what are you going to write about? And I had no idea, Mm -hmm. and I told her I had no idea. And I picked a book off my to-be-read pile, and it was a book about, as you mentioned, the non-existent state of Jefferson in Northern California and Southern Oregon, and how this movement sort of got off the ground, and how it is still remembered today, and it's a very cool book, and I thought, that's interesting, how do I do something with this? Okay, what if Jefferson happened? And what if the governor of Jefferson at the time when I'm writing, because I'm, you know, I I write alternate history, but I'm a science fiction writer too, and I'm weird. What if he's a Sasquatch? Oh. And I just rolled with it. I just rolled with it. Oh, nice. That was actually one of the questions I was going to have of say, all right, you've 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 come up with alternative history and you've given yourself a, a setting, you, which you, you just, to do, go ahead. Did I make an assumption? <laughs> it should, you, you, you have to A, have some idea of what the real history is and B, be a little bit strange. I think those are the two requisite ingredients. <laughs> that seems totally reasonable. That does. Yeah. Where do your where do your characters on it come from? You like you've said, okay, you've got this. Where did you decide point of view and figure your characters, or is that the where it just goes? All right, Hitler, the the Axis powers won this part, or they took over the Japanese took over um, Hawaii, or those. Where do you pick your characters out of all that? I don't know. I, I you know, I'm trying to say something. I'm trying to say something entertaining. I'm trying to say something about people who are interesting and so you know i try to do all that and you know and i mean well i mean you know your writers know that characters come out of 
pieces of themselves and pieces of people they know and pieces of people they've read about and things they've heard about and all that stuff. And so you put that all together in the blender of your head and you start writing and some, you know, and as you write, or I mean, if you work haphazardly the way I do, you discover more about the people you're writing about because as you write about them, they tell, they tell you who they are. So you've been living in 20th century California, okay, and, or 21st century now, California, in, in the modern age. And to get into the heads of your characters who live in different times, how hard is it to, or do you even try to step, step away from the modern way of thought and you, you, you have to try. The, 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 you know, the trying is the essential element because the past is a different country. They do things differently there. Uh, other countries now are different countries, and they don't do things the same way we do in the United States. This is often advantageous to them, especially the past four years, but never mind that. Yeah, you have to. I mean, this, you know, this is one of the ways where I think being trained as a historian has done me some good mm-hmm. because I, I, I'm trained with that distancing look and trying to look at things from the perspective of the people who were actually living them rather than from the perspective of here and now. Of course, that makes some of the people that one writes about kind of unpalatable to certain modern folks, but that also comes with the territory. I don't know. I I can argue that there's a certain difference in history teachers over the years, because I I also had a great deal of history through college, and there were teachers that seemed to line up, these are the dates that matter, this is the fall of Jerusalem, this is the Battle of Lepanto, these are, you know, this was, you know, just date, time, places, and then there were the teachers that told you the stories and the why and how and this is what the money that was going on and this is the cloth that was moving around. Well, you know, you know, I mean, you need all of that stuff, though, because why matters, but you, you won't understand why the why is the way it is unless you understand what happened when and what led to which. You know, you need all mm-hmm. of it or as much of it as you can soak in. Well, exactly so. And and those are the ways that it sticks with you. For instance, if a kid just has to memorize a list of dates, they might not get anywhere. But if they say, right, no. wars were fought no. and lost over alum mines because people wanted to wear black Gothic clothing, suddenly it's alive for them. Mm-hmm. Being a product of the American school system, like all of us are, except for Chaz, one of the things that frustrated me in my history classes uh, for example, they just wouldn't talk about the why. They would say, these are the dates, these are the wars and the Civil War. Uh, oh, the Reconstruction was just about carpetbaggers, you know, and things like that. So the way I learned what I do, the little I do know about history over the ages is from reading myself and just being interested in a yeah. particular time. Yeah. How history is taught is probably not entirely germane to what we're talking about. <laughs> Yeah. A lot of times when I pick up like one of your your novels, I am not sure. Uh, I mean, I just fall into it because it's good and I enjoy it and I, you know, immerse myself. But afterwards, 
I kind of think, oh, that's really how the history happened <laughs> because I have so little good basis of it in uh, from school. That's well, all. I mean, I, you know, look, the reason that I'm doing this stuff is because I found El Spray de Camp's Lest Darkness Fall mm-hmm. Love that. in a secondhand bookstore when I was 14 or 15. And I read it and I got hooked on trying to find out how much of this was real and how much Sprague was making up. I didn't know. You know, what do you learn about the Byzantine Empire and, you know, in, in junior high school and high school history? Nothing. Yeah. And so I started trying to find this stuff out. And I got into Caltech when I went to college and I flunked out of Caltech at the end of my freshman year because calculus was much tougher than I was. <laughs> and I ended up at UCLA studying Byzantine history. I mean, this is alternate history on the micro-historical level. I would be a totally different person if somebody else had bought that book the day before I walked into that store. You know, I would have written something because I already had the bug, but I have no idea what it would have been. I wouldn't have the degree I have. I wouldn't have written what I've written. I wouldn't have uh, met my wife because I met her when I was teaching at UCLA while the... uh, professor I studied under had a guest gig in Greece. You know, I, I, w- I was subbing for him. I wouldn't have the kids I have. I wouldn't be living in Chatsworth. Uh-huh. And, you know, I mean, I have no idea what I would be. I would be somebody else. Yeah. Do, do you actually have, do you have in your head a, a feeling of some, uh, I know, some, some completely other kind of book that you would like to have written or like to write sometime? Oh, I would I would have been some kind of science fiction writer because oh, that would, would still have been science fiction. Okay, you know I might I might you know I might be David Brin right now. You never know. <laughs> 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 On the other hand, who else was going to write Justinian for us? That had to be you. You know. Yeah. Well, I, you know that, that's that's funny because when I was translating Theophanes in the nineteen seventies. I was reading that, you know, that story, and I thought, you know, and I came to the part where he's on the ship on the Black Sea, and there's a storm, and his henchman, you got to have a henchman, right? His henchman says, Lord, promise God that if he spares you now, you'll have mercy on your enemies. And Justinian answered, if I have mercy on even one of them. May God drown me now. And the oh. storm stopped. <laughs> I love it. I thought, that, you know, even then, I was like 25. I thought, there's a novel in this. Yes, oh, there yeah. is. And I tried to write it, and I, and I didn't know how yet. And I picked it up again in the 90s, you know, after I sort of knew how to write books. And I always wonder. Patrick Nielsen Hayden was kind enough to buy it and print it of the difference between the publishing order of when the rest of the world gets around to publishing your books versus what order you write them in. Was that an earlier piece well, or a later piece? You know, well, there's not usually that big a difference between when you write them and when, and, and when they're published, but there are things that you're not ready to do when the idea hits you. Right. You know, I mean, 
Yeah. I had the you know the idea for the World War books where where the aliens invade at the height of World War II. I had that idea back in the seventies, but I knew there was all kinds of stuff that I didn't know, and especially back then, you know, there were still lots of people alive who had lived through that time, you know, who would know when I was BSing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, you know, That's a good point. you know, um, and I kept, you know, I kept the idea. I did homework. I bought books. And after I sold Guns of the South, I thought, well, what am I going to do next? I'm going to try this and see how it, you know, see if I can do it. I guess I did it. So absolutely. Yeah. There, there, there are ideas that you just don't know how to do yet, you, you know, and you, you don't throw them out. You hang on to them, but uh, you don't do them yet either. That's actually kind of encouraging. Uh, we, we've talked about uh, for a lot of it's a podcast that has a lot of advice for new writers and starting writers. And for, for all of us that have stories that have maybe 10, 20,000 words on that we stare at and saying, I don't know if I'm good enough to tell that story yet. How? <laughs> It's. I don't. I don't think it's a question of good enough. It's a question of do you have the tools you need? Do you know enough? Do you know enough about life? You know. I mean, right. you know, stories. The stories that you write in your twenties are different from stories that you write in your forties. Are different from stories that you write in your sixties and seventies. They just are because you're different. That is a good point. So. Where do you find yourself have gone? Because I look at, at your your writing through the 80s and 90s, which was, you know, very much in a certain direction. But then you also have a few random things starting the 90s. Like I love the case <laughs> of the toxic spell dump. That <laughs> oh, well, that, you know, OK, that was an beautiful. accident. Was it? Thank you. I mean, thank you. No, you know, the people who like that are the sick puppies. <laughs> but yeah, no, no, that was a, that was that was an accident. It was not a book I ever intended to write. I was at the World Fantasy Convention in Tucson in 1991, and I was on a magic and technology panel. You know, there I was, a John Campbell writer on a Joseph Campbell panel, you know. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> and one, one of one of the people who was on there with me was a writer named Alexandra Honigsberg. And Alexandra and I had been friends for years already. We knew each other and we get along. We basically we get along by sassing each other. <laughs> you know, that's that's you know, that's just how we interact. Seems and Al Alexandra made a point about however you manipulate the environment, whether it's through engineering or magic, it's going to have consequences. And it's a good point. It's true, I think. And I made a smart-ass crack about, yeah, toxic spell dumps. And I got a laugh. And I got enough of a laugh that I wrote toxic spell dumps on huh. one side of my pocket program <laughs> so I wouldn't lose it. And they're sitting in the front row of the audience for this panel where Paul and Karen Anderson, who, you know, and I've, I've read Paul's work since I, you know, since I was a kid and thinking of him and thinking of manipulating the environment through magic. I thought of his, you know, operation chaos stories and, 
and those and their ancestor, which was Heinlein's Magic Incorporated. Yep. And I thought, maybe I can write a story like that, except maybe it'll be funny with puns in it and stuff. So that a spell checker in that world is very different from a spell checker in this world. <laughs> They're both black magic. <laughs> yes. You know, and so I started writing it and I thought, this is a fun story. And then I thought, oh, my God. This is a novel, yeah. oh, and that yeah. doesn't usually happen to me. I, I, you know, I usually know about how big something is going to be when I set out writing it, but I didn't that time, and it ran away with me. And I thought, can I stay silly for one hundred and twenty thousand words? And I guess I could because I did. <laughs> yes. Was it hard? Was it harder to write or easier to write than some of the uh, the more researched attempts at you know? Oh, you would be surprised how research intensive that was. <laughs> what sorts of things do you have to research in order to write that? Uh, Aztec and Lithuanian mythology. Um, you know, I mean, you know, and just, you know, knowing enough of the stuff, you know, you have to know what the stuff is to be able to make horrible puns on it. Fair. I you think know. this brings up a good point that we've said a few times, the, it seems that writers need that opportunity to get it as realistic as possible because we don't want that one person to read it and say, that could never possibly, that was entirely wrong. The Ruger's fire this way and, and those guns don't even have yeah. safety yeah. triggers. And it just keeps people from being thrown out it, of it. You, you, know, you, you, <laughs> you don't, you don't want to make any mistakes that you're not making on purpose. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. You know, the, the, you know, the, it's it's always the things that you don't check that will trip you up. I've I've had that happen to me a few times. Yeah. Everybody does. I mean, this is part yeah. of the game. And there's know? there's always going to be one reader who either really does know the topic better than you do, or thinks. Oh, there will be more than one. Always. <laughs> <laughs> As, and now they have Twitter, so. So you've kind of described yourself as a little bit of a pantser in plotting, and yet at the same time, a, a, ma a meticulously researched pantser, which is a beautiful thing. Well, you know, look, uh, you know, as I've mentioned on Twitter a time or two, I mean, I, I am on the Asperger's spectrum. I'm not very far along it, but I'm on it. And this is what I do for fun, you know? <laughs> Yes. If, 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 if you can't, if, you know, if research isn't fun, you probably won't do a lot of it. Yes. I've been, I've been in the, I was in the SCA for 20, 25 years. And so I know lots of people and myself who like doing research for very focused research to find things out. So this seems perfectly normal to me and I'm not on the Asperger's okay. syndrome. So respect. All right. You're, you're, okay. Here, can, can, can I turn the tables on you and ask you and ask you a question? Sure. All right. If you're in the SCA, you know, I was I was on the fringes of the SCA just as it was getting started, but I was never in it because I don't join things. You know, I just don't. OK. But what do you think of Peter Beagle's The Folk of the Air? OK, I know Peter Beagle and we are we are acquainted to the friendly state. So I hope he's not listening to this, but <laughs> it reads like someone who didn't quite get it. I think that he researched it, did book research or, or that kind of research, not actually going to an event or talking to the people who were available. 
Um, it's like okay. doing research for a, a hospital drama and driving by your local hospital and looking at it and reading, you know, newspaper reports rather than walking in and talking to a um, an emergency room doctor. Gotcha. Okay, I I, I see the distinction you're drawing. I think I suspect yeah. this is something I've been guilty of a time or twelve in my life. <laughs> Oh, I never do that. Never. No, not me. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> You're practically an expert on it. I spent five whole minutes Googling this just the other day. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Research, and, research. You know, as I, you have to admit in the last four years, there's been a lot of people have turned from a, no interest in civics into constitutional scholars overnight. It's beautiful. Yes. Yes. <laughs> There, there are people who now know how to look up and read the Supreme Court's blog every day just to see what's going on. So this is this is excellent yeah. research. Well, just just as a and following on that and a little bit of an aside, um, I have discovered a great source of modern um, crime. Uh, you know what, what's going on in the mm-hmm. modern criminal world is the justice.gov for each of the. Um, each of the districts, we live in the um, Northern District of California. They will send mm-hmm. out every day grand jury indictment lists, what, who got indicted and for what, uh, who got a criminal complaint and for what. They give all these details. Oh, I remember and, this, the wine Ponzi scheme. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's all sorts of things, there's all sorts of things that, that come out of that feed. And I, I get the local feed just to kind of see what's going on. And, and it's like, Wow! If if only I wrote in that you know, if only I wrote in that genre, I'd have all of these, you know, all of this great stuff. Really weird things to steal from. Really weird cases to steal from. Hey, Harry, you had a book come out this month. Tell me about it. I I did. Uh, Back in the early years of this century, I did four straight historical, no science fictional or alternate history element in them for straight historical novels set in the late 4th century B.C. about two traders from the island of Rhodes, and I finally talked a publisher into letting me continue that series, which I had enormous fun writing. So the fifth one came out last week. It's called Salamis. Uh, It is not about the Battle of Salamis that's in the Greeks and the Persians, which was almost 200 years earlier. This is a battle between a naval battle between two of the successors of Alexander the Great fought off the island of Cyprus in 306 BC. And I've written about that. And I have an agreement with the publisher to do yet another one, which I will start writing shortly after the first of the year, which will deal with the great siege of Rhodes in 305 BC. So I'm just really delighted that I've been, you know, had the chance to revisit these people and, and this, uh, this scene. Is this the series that came out originally under yet another name? Yes. This is, this is the the series that came out originally under Turtle Taub, which was That's what right. the family name was before my grandfather yep. anglicized it. Yeah. Is Taub so, so will, will, are, are they all Are they all being reprinted under your current name? Yes, they are being reprinted under my current name. Excellent. My real name. Yes, it's your real name. Let the record show. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that makes me wonder if, if Turtle Taub is Taub Dove. Is that what that? Yes. yes. Cool. Yes. Well, it's cool now because people remembered it was not a lot of fun when i was a kid 
Yeah. <laughs> That's no, because yeah. kids are horrific, nasty creatures. Yes. I don't understand how True. they do adulthood. What do you have in the hopper? What are you working on right now? Right now I'm working on a, on a fantasy set in sort of the equivalent of the 1940s, but it's not quite our world. I have just sold a novel to tour that's called Three Miles Down that is somewhere on the border between science fiction and alternate history. It's set in the 70s. Uh, in, in the real world, the CIA spent about as much money as it cost to send a man to the moon to build a specialized recovery vessel and get off the ocean floor north of Hawaii a Russian submarine that sank. They were after the missiles and the yeah. code books aboard it. This is like Glomar the Jack story. Yeah. Cool. That sounds cool. Submarine sink. Maybe there on the ocean floor near that submarine, there is an alien ship that sank it. And when they go to recover... Mm. That's what they're after, oh. not, the, not the, and that's what the novel is about. Oh, cool. I look forward to it. Well, we will put links out there to the upcoming. Yeah, I don't, I don't have, I, you know, I have links for Salamis. I do not have links for that yet. I have not, you know, I mean, look, you know, I, I, I was lucky enough to sell this after the COVID epidemic hit everything in the publishing industry is moving at maybe a quarter of the speed that it normally does. Okay. I got to play one quick so, what if game then. How do you think Harry five years from now is going to create the alternate history of 2020? Uh, you, you know, I, 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 <laughs> I would not, I would not touch that. No, I'm serious. You need to be far enough removed in time from something to write alternate history about it. Otherwise, you're writing political polemic. And I mostly don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) It is a fine line to to draw there. Have you ever considered looking further back on the the Spanish flu of 1918? I really haven't. It almost killed my father. Oh, dear. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Let's you know that it's a tiny little world, right? Yep. Oh, tiny little dangerous creatures in it. <laughs> I thought those were the children, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to talking about kids again. Well, we will put links to Harry's stories and the other interesting things we've mentioned on our website, which is www.writersdrinkingcoffee.com. You can also find us on Facebook or Twitter. We answer email. Harry, if we have a reader or listener that has a question, can we send it your way to get an answer? Uh, the, the easiest way to get hold of me is just ask me on Twitter. I am at HN Turtle Dove. I will. You, 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 you may have to. You, you will have to put up with my political views if you <laughs> if you visit there. But I do talk about writing too. Oh, they all have to deal with mine already, so they're used to it. You've been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the hosts. Our main web support magic is brought to you by Deirdre Schween, and our sound engineer and backup web spider is David Welsh. Our intro music is Pretty Maid Milking a Cow, and our exit music is Breakfast with a Morning Person, both by Michael Engberg. You can hear more from Michael Engberg at manyhatsmusic.com. Our podcast sponsors are Eternally Jackal Designs, and our love is given to the Bean Scene Coffee Shop in downtown Sunnyvale. And hey... Thanks for listening.